0: Well, I mean, last year we were we were threatened the same way. where We were going to have to cut services, and we ended up with a surplus. I mean, I, I just don't. I scare tactics, like you said. I, I just, I just don't. The eighty-nine million dollars. I'm having a problem with, but okay, we'll, we'll just agree to disagree on that one. Um, out of the, how many people are between 138 percent of poverty level enrolled right now? Do we have those numbers?
1: I don't have the total in front of me. What I brought with me was the. Uh, total for those enrolled just in December and January. We'd previously reported uh, on the numbers for those enrolled in October, November, and I just just don't have that in front of me, but I can certainly get that to
0: you. Okay. I'd love to have that. Um, On the insurance contracts with, uh, with the insurance companies, how long is our contracts with the companies? We do it month by month, or is it a year? So
1: so we do not have a uh, contract, if you will, with the insurance company. The contract, the real binding contract that the insurance companies have is with the marketplace itself. We have a memorandum of understanding to govern the transfer of funding, and that uh, I have it right here. The memorandum of understanding. says, for example, uh, in the case of defunding, I'll just read it to you, termination due to loss of authority or funding. This memorandum of understanding will terminate immediately in the event that statutory authority for the health care independence program is repealed by the state.
0: Okay. But you, do you, and the state pays the insurance companies on a monthly basis, quarterly, the monthly? Monthly, is it, correct. Is monthly. Okay. Thank you, Mr. Chair.
2: All right. Thank you. Senator Flowers, you're next.
3: I think Dr. Thompson might be able to answer one question for me. Um, When an individual is enrolled um, under the private option, do they get from the carriers, the insurance carriers, uh, that they may choose uh, a list of providers that that insurance company um, has under contract or... How how does that work, and is that part of the educational process to keep people out of the emergency rooms?
0: Sure. We have, uh, with the Department of Insurance and actually a steering committee that is represented by consumer advocates, the carriers, uh, Medicaid, uh, and providers, have really two mechanisms. One is on the insurance department website, we link to the carrier's provider network, to their formulary, uh, and... I think those are the two main issues people are concerned about, making sure that if they're on a special drug, it's covered. If they have a provider, they they know that they're in network. Uh, We are uh, in the pro ‑‑ so it's linked to the carriers, and then the carriers also notify the individual when they get their insurance card uh, with their terms and conditions of their premium.
3: I would think that would serve to keep a lot of people out of the emergency room Uh, Do the navigators, uh, if one is engaged uh, with the navigator before enrolling, do they talk about providers and um, insurance carriers?
0: I can't speak for all the navigators, but the navigators at the point of enrollment have been trained that the provider list, as I just mentioned, is on the website so that they can help someone select uh, between carriers to make sure that their uh, uh, provider of interest is there. After enrollment, the navigator function ceases, so when the individual gets their packet, it would be up to the individual, their family, or somebody else to help them navigate at that point.
3: Okay. And is the list um, set up by region um, so that individuals... Uh, I know I have had call at least one call from an individual who received a list and um, complained that some of the providers were not taking new patients?
0: Okay, two, two separate questions just to divide. I don't know for certain, we may be able to ask the insurance folks when they come, but I think the, the, the market areas are what the provider list are uh, uh, set up, although I think the Let's ask the insurance department how the, okay. the list is set up.
3: And then my other question, it might be for the next panel. I don't know. Maybe Mr. Seelig might be able to to answer this. Um, I, I I think I've tried to bring it up before, and it's about children um, that are uh, that have uh, divorced parents or um, parents that are separated, um, never married, whatever. One spouse is a non-custodial, one parent is a non-custodial parent and is under an order to have insurance for the child or the children. So uh, my understanding is that uh, these non-custodial parents, unless they can claim or have the right to claim that, Child or the children as a dependent for tax purposes cannot get um the children enrolled with them through a planned plan under this marketplace or private option is that does anybody know about that and 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 so what what is what I think what, i think'll i think
4: i'll defer to the insurance department on that
3: have, I, I don't know the answer okay. Have you been? Um, and maybe DFNA needs to be involved in that too. But it seems to me that that is growing uh, a growing problem. It's a lot of parents that are now, especially if, if they've got criminal non-support charges, and uh, a condition is uh, for them in order to stay out of the penitentiary to get insurance. And, and so uh, this is it's not a good place to be in for, for that individual. So I wanted you all to yeah. take a look at that and maybe work with the mar- the you're insurance. Right. Uh, Something I, needs to give.
4: And that might be the Child Support Enforcement Unit who may know those specific rules also. We'll, we'll get with DFA and insurance and try to figure that out. I may want to get back with you also to, but, b- to be clear about the, about the situation you're talking about.
3: Okay, but in, in the meantime, in terms of children, um, are they covered, do they go through this private option with that parent, with no, any parent? No, the private option is
4: only for the adult.
3: Okay, well what, what's, what's available for children?
4: Well, of course, the, the Our Kids program for those under 200% of the federal poverty level. Uh, above that, it would be just the private insurance market, unless
3: I'm missing something. So if their parent who they live with goes into the the regular health marketplace, then that's where these children are covered as well? I mean... No, not necessarily. Uh, well, how does a child that doesn't fall in that category that Mr. Seelig described, how are they covered?
0: So let, let me let me try to And I th- let me just back. Up. I think the uh, uh, child support enforcement issue is a real issue that is true not only in our state, but this is now a socio issue nationwide. That I'm not sure they thought through the implications of, of of their implementation. So you're you're on the right path on an issue there. Separately, and Andy, correct me. To date, the Our Kids program, A and B, is still available for children up to 200% of the poverty level. The private option is only available for adults up to 138% of the federal poverty level. The federal marketplace starts at 139%, but the kids are still eligible for the Our Kids program up to 200%. Above 200%, the marketplace is available for parents to be able to purchase individual coverage for their children as a family unit.
3: And, and that would be based on, on um, parents' income?
0: Above, yes. In the marketplace, the tax credit that they get that they have to justify through the IRS, Homeland Security, uh, uh, federal process is on a sliding scale based upon parental income and family size.
3: Will will any future uh, data that you all will be collecting, will it include um, how uh, the private option and anything that we have and how our citizens that are children are being impacted? Will, Will it? And will that be a part of what the feds will require of us under the waiver that we have sought and received? Last question. I'll do the first one.
1: Well, I mean, what I will say uh, is that the Healthcare Independence Act calls for uh, DHS to investigate and pursue the development of a policy to bring uh, our kids, be children above 138% of poverty into the private option in a future year. And uh, uh, we have at least begun that to, we have initiated that process really through consultants. Quite frankly, we're, we're tied up right now. Um, and so as a result of that process, we will learn a great deal about options for children, parents, families together, family units, both Uh, under 138 percent and above 138 percent in the marketplace because those are the options that we'll be pursuing Uh, and as Dr. Thompson has alluded to this is a this was one of those aspects of the Affordable Care Act that just didn't get finished and it's uh, the resolution of the question what happens to the kids now that parents are in private coverage in the exchange you've just essentially forced a separation between parent and child in terms of coverage. And um, I, I certainly am not satisfied with, with that. And it's part of the plan for us to look at options at least for that 138 to 200% population. So we're going to learn a great deal more about this in the next few months.
0: And to your second part, we will be required to look at what the impact was.
3: And Well, does, as a state are we prohibited from creating uh, a policy that would cover and allow parents to include children in in the policies in in, in you understand what i'm saying can we Can we not have our insurance carriers offer policies that include children?
0: I think it's... Is it something that is prohibited? No, it's not prohibited. I think the insurance commissioner can probably address that directly.
3: Yeah, because if if we can be creative with private option, uh, recognizing the need in Arkansas and having a preference for uh, um private uh industry as opposed to more just public and it seems to me like we ought to be a l- as sensitive to that part of our population that has been left out and um i mean because i mean we're working hardships. If we don't, and just because I mean, we we want to complain about Affordable Care Act, you know, at the, but Flowers. at the same time, we don't want to try. You understand what I'm saying?
0: I do, I do, and, and I would just offer. I mean, your private option started with adults only because it was a massive experiment, and we already had the kids covered under our kids. The private option, as Dr. Allison alluded to, in and out year requires the department to consider moving our kids B onto the private sector with their parents. But we didn't start with the kids because we already had them covered. We started with adults that we had no coverage for. Uh, So we attempted to safeguard them, but I, I, I totally agree with your, I mean, for those of our citizens that have the least ability to protect themselves, we have an extra requirement that we make sure we do them no harm.
5: Is that good, Senator Flowers? Well, I guess did you have any more questions? You were about 15 minutes, and um if you had one more, we could go ahead. But I wanted to try to move on to the next question.
3: I guess it's good.
5: Representative Mayberry, you're recognized for a question. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Uh, I've got one very quick question for, just for
6: clarification's sake. Um, regarding the, the pool uh, on the insurance exchange, I know that we have one multi-state uh, carrier that is part of the exchange. Is their pool the same as as each of the others, um, or, or does theirs also include from other states as well?
5: Yeah. If you'd like, Representative Mayberry, the next agenda item is the insurance department. Can we put you first on the list for that? Well, I mean, you probably know the answer.
1: I would rather defer on a discussion of uh, risk pooling.
5: Okay, thanks. Okay. Representative Fite, you're recognized for a question.
7: Thank you, Mr. Chair. I just want to be sure that I'm clear on the population we're speaking about, and I know we've talked about this quite a bit. There are no children. Uh, Under the Affordable Care Act, uh, young people up to age 27 can stay on their parents' insurance. Is that correct? Is that also under the... Uh, I, think Arkansas. I think it's 26, but yes, 26, per- okay. Uh, these are not people with disabilities, correct? The,
0: they, the private option, if they're Medicaid eligible under a disability, they would not be on the private option. There may be people who have disabilities that have not been determined to be disabled and gone through an application process. Uh, And a little question on the definition of disabilities. If I have a mild hearing loss, I have a disability, but I don't qualify to be SSI disabled.
7: Right, I understand that. And what is the upper age limit?
4: It's 19 to 64 is the age group.
7: 64, okay. Do you have statistics on how many... This is then basically we're talking about working age population. Right. So how many of the people who have enrolled at this point have full-time jobs? Do you have that statistic we, we
4: don't have that data
7: Why is that
4: because it's not a it's not an eligibility requirement, so it's i mean we're we we do not have reason to request that information when they're applying for health care coverage
7: What information do they provide just income
1: Yes, sources of income, family structure
4: we check uh, citizenship
1: right.
7: But not having a job is is not brought into the equation no thank you
5: yeah could i just add though that by definition of reporting an income i mean because this was a discussion that we had in the session so you know before zero percent fpl qualify for medicaid zero to 17. um so at that point obviously you could have no income and qualify for medicaid but expanding this fpl just even though it may not be full-time we we know that Th- they have an income, therefore they have some sort of employment. I mean, is that a fair statement?
0: It's in the family, yes. Say that again. It's in the. Fa- I think some of the numbers they shared last week that had you know a, a larger proportion of females suggest to me that the males probably are getting insurance through their work, but yeah. they're not having a family coverage. So this may be a, st- a stay-at-home mom with a working husband. So the answer my answer to your question. They have income as a family unit. That individual may or may not themselves I understand. be working. Yeah.
5: Some somebody's reporting an income to be in this range of FPL that we're talking about. Correct. Okay. Is there any way that we could quantify though, full time or, or or what type of employment or anything else? I mean, you know, twenty five percent FPL is not a lot of income.
1: We we can look for sources of information on that, whether it be records or, for example, survey based. Okay. Data, but for example, hours of work, uh, although we do need to know where the income is coming from and we'd know it's a wage, uh, the hours that it took to earn that income is, is not part of the calculation of eligibility, so it, it wouldn't be tracked. We'd have, it won't come directly from the eligibility file. It would have to come yeah. from some other place, and we'd have to get back. Well,
5: because then there's the fact of reported income too. I mean, after you know everything else, so um,
0: let, let let us explore potential yeah. data okay. sources for you.
5: Last question is Representative Hammer. It's
0: pretty quick one. Thank you, Mr. Chair.
5: Can you you mentioned providers while ago? Who's verifying the high risk providers into the Medicaid programs and the other providers that are that are signed up? Is that is that being done by DMS or is that office of Medicaid inspector general when you say high-risk providers well those that are providing you know services to the high-risk population of the Medicaid or anybody any new providers that's coming in who's who's doing the
0: verification on that
4: yeah they're they're, they're not unique to this I mean, it's just Arkansas's health care providers who are serving this population so there, there's not a we wouldn't really have high-risk providers now we, we do have some our dis, disabled sorry developmentally disabled providers. You know they serve a lot of high risk or high cost patients, but we don't consider them high risk providers. If I'm answering your question. Yeah. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you, Mr. Chair.
2: Thank you. Um, there are no other questions on the queue. Does anyone else have one? All right. Seeing no other questions, we thank you very much and uh, talk to you another time. Thank you. <laughs> very soon. All right. Next on the agenda, we have item F: uh, update on the number of people signing up through the exchange, and we have the COO from the Arkansas Health Connector Division. Is her name Willett? All right, is uh, Deborah Willett? There we are. Okay. If you'll come in and. Uh, state your name for the record. And the Assistant Commissioner, we're pleased to have you as well. Thank
7: you. All right. I'm Lynita Blassingame, Chief Deputy Commissioner, and I have with me Debbie Wilhite, who's the Chief Operations Officer for the Health Connector Division, Zane Christman, who is the plan management expert and an attorney as well, and in reserve, we have our chief financial person. So. Good.
2: You're covered, huh? I hope so. <laughs> All right. And if everyone would bring the microphone closer uh, to your mouth, I think we're having a little trouble hearing up here, but thank you. All right. You're recognized. Who would like to go first? Um, in response
8: to, in response to uh, the question about how many people we have um, signed up at this point, uh, we have... Um, provided you with a map, uh, and uh, we have a total of 14,684 as of the 19th. The way we got these numbers uh, broken down into counties was to go to the individual carriers and ask them to uh, help us and provide us counts by county. Um, It is still not possible to get county counts or any demographic information from the, um, uh, federal, uh uh, health care, the federal exchange. So uh, we wanted to be able uh, to shape our efforts to uh, move resources better, so uh, we asked the carriers to help us with this. The last report we got from the federal exchange was 12,763. So the uh, uh, and we're very, very close to the carrier count. The carrier count is actually uh, 1,918. Uh, larger so um, we're very happy with this it's a huge uh, increase over our December numbers uh, and we think that it's a good uh, uh, trajectory that we're on all
2: right Um, any other would any of you like to say anything else add anything all right Uh, representative Mayberry I believe you have a question you're recognized All right. Are you all right. One, thank thank you, Madam Chair. Uh,
6: it was a quick question. It was the same one that I asked uh, just a few moments ago, uh, and, and it was it was punted to you all um, on the on the um, pool uh, for the different carriers. We have one multi state carrier that's in our insurance exchange. Do they have the same pool as the other carriers, or because it is multi state, is, is there a, a different makeup to that?
9: So the multi-state carrier does have the same pool as the rest of the carriers. Um, whenever it's looking at its rating pool, it's it's just using utilizing the same individual market for the state of Arkansas, um, and all of its rates are based upon that Arkansas that Arkansas pool, as well as its filings being based on Arkansas law. So if it's in any other state, it's going to be looking at pools, like say if it's in Texas, it's going to be looking at the Texas pool and the Arkansas pool and making appropriate rates for each state. So
6: so with regards to the, the price of their plan and such as that, it, it really doesn't matter that they're multi-state? Is no, it does correct? not. Okay. Thank you.
2: All right. Um, Representative Meeks, you're recognized.
6: Thank you, Madam Chair. And this is a question, too, that the, um, has been punted to you. Do you know out of the 14,000 what was it whatever fourteen thousand and some change? Folks who have been enrolled in the marketplace, how many of them have actually paid their premium? Because there's been some reports around the country that ten to twenty percent um, did not pay their premium on time. Do we have that figure here in Arkansas?
9: We do not have a, a current figure. What we do know is that when they extended the deadline to pay, that was just also going to affect a little bit of, of what we have anyway. Um, when they extended that deadline to pay, Blue Cross has extended their deadline until January 31st, so that, that's still kind of up in the air. QualChoice's deadline was January 10th, and they had sent me some numbers earlier, and we can look at those, if, and I can get those to you if you would like. Um, and I, but I would like to verify with, those that, with them that those numbers are